0: Listeners, start your engines. Episode 51. Rob here. On this episode, I'm going to share my thoughts on 2023's Evil Dead Rise as we circle back to the Evil Dead franchise, taking a short break from the Planet of the Apes mega series to dig into Lee Cronin's long anticipated new installment of the Evil Dead franchise. As always, you can find more episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and other podcatchers, as well as CrookedTable.com. Go ahead and give us a rating and review wherever you're listening to this episode. For now, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer and then jump into my thoughts and spoiler-filled review on Evil Dead Rise. No matter how busy you ever got, you always found time for me. I can't believe I'm never going to speak. A little girl I asked my mother What is this Danny? I thunder Getting this out of here. You'd be a good mom someday, Annie Oh, yeah? Yeah, you know how to let kids. <laughs> mom? Mommy's with the maggots now. Franchise detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. Now I know what you're thinking: what episode, or what movie of the Planet of the Apes franchise are we getting into this week? We're taking a a brief pause on the Apes franchise to talk about another franchise that we've covered early early on in the in the series, uh, in the history of this show, that being Evil Dead. So. Lee Cronin, writer-director Lee Cronin, released *Evil Dead Rise* in 2023, and though this is getting posted a little bit later than I would have liked, I, I felt like it was important to at least have some kind of a clean break, um, like the, the opening for this to be posted mid *Planet of the Apes*. Uh, if I had waited for this mega series to be over, this would have been this movie would be on demand by now. So uh, we're we're throwing that here between battle and the 2001 Planet of the Apes to talk about Evil Dead Rise. So if you're waiting for more apes talk, don't worry. They've all been recorded. They're all ready to go. Uh, you will get you will get plenty more apes starting with the next episode and going forward. But here we're talking about Evil Dead Rise. Now normally on this show we go from you know. Uh, tracking a series of films from one installment to the next like how do they grow how do they change how do they evolve or devolve as the case may be what ch- chances do they take along the way what elements stick what falls off all that stuff we like to track the history of these franchises right so with this one we're taking a u-turn back to the evil dead franchise you know we're usually following not every movie series travels n- no movie series travels in a straight line, but this one we're taking a U-turn back around. So I did an episode kind of like this for The Matrix Resurrections. I covered those original three films from that series on what is now the Close Watch feed, what used to be the Crooked Table podcast. And I, I did sort of a day of release, just you know, a stream of consciousness episode of just me talking about The Matrix Resurrections. But I planned for it, and I posted all those episodes in this feed, So you can find all all of that there. So this is just kind of dropping in the middle of the apes talking about Evil Dead Rise. So this movie is an interesting one because this franchise, just to recap where this franchise left off, Sam Raimi's original film, I think, came out in Uh, 1981-ish. It's hard to say because its release was anything but conventional. Uh, Evil Dead 2 came out in 1987 and really kind of really uh, started to explode the the cult following of this franchise. And then Army of Darkness, the big studio one in 1992. Sort of a track that kind of parallels the Mad Max franchise, which we also covered. Small, tiny movie, gets a lot of attention, gets a bigger movie that sort of remakes certain elements, sort of released uh, under different names to, to uh, capitalize or not capitalize on people's awareness of the second one. The third one the big studio movie, Lot you know a lot of the violence is toned down in both uh, both Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and Army of Darkness, and then years later gets a a big remake slash reboot slash revival in the form of Mad Max Fury Road. and in this case, Evil Dead twenty thirteen. So you can listen to our episodes on those first four entries in the Evil Dead franchise. I definitely like Evil Dead twenty thirteen more than most people. I think it's one of the better films in the franchise. And I like the idea that it is existing in the world of the original films, of of Ash, of Bruce Campbell's character, that, you know, Mia was supposed to meet up with Ash at some point. Jane Levy's Mia was supposed to meet up with Ash in a sequel that never materialized. So after that film came out, for various reasons, Fede Alvarez became more in demand. And uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead ended up happening instead of a proper Evil Dead 4 with Bruce Campbell attached, uh, so the sequel to Evil Dead twenty thirteen never happened. Ash Evil Dead ran its three seasons on Stars, and uh, there are various projects in you know different sorts of development. But really, all we've gotten since Ash Evil Dead was Evil Dead the game, which is a lot of fun. And I'm on there; you can find me on the PlayStation Network with the the um, username Crooked Table. So that that aside, this was the first time we were getting a new film. In a decade, which is which is interesting because it once again introduces a set of new characters. There's no Bruce Campbell, there's no Jane Levy. We get Alyssa Sutherland here and Lily Sullivan as Ellie and Beth respectively, pair of sisters who are sort of estranged and Beth finds out that she's pregnant and reaches out to her sister and and uh, things go awry. let's put it that way. Her sister is in an apartment complex. An uh, L.A. High Rise, hence the plan. words with Evil Dead Rise. And uh, with her three kids, she's she's separated from her husband, and they're about to get kicked out because their building is getting, I don't know, condemned, knocked down. It's unclear. I forget exactly. In any case, I think the first big thing to note about Evil Dead Rise is in addition to the, the new characters coming in and kind of shifting gears to, uh, you know, a a set of characters that are completely fresh to the franchise, which in and of itself I think is a testament to how this film's trying to stand apart. The big change, the big and most noteworthy that people bring up is the change in setting. So this film is mostly takes, does mostly take place in the apartment complex, in the, in the hallway, in the, the apartment itself. There's a, there's a very pivotal scene in an elevator and then in the parking garage uh, adjacent to the building. But other than that, we only get glimpses. There's a couple scenes at the beginning, uh, at, at the beginning of the film, that wrap back to the cabin concept. So what I think is really interesting about this movie is that it opens up the door to Evil Dead in different settings. And you know, I've seen things on Twitter People people even saying about oh, well, different time periods. Like, well, that you know, what is what is the path forward for this franchise? So first of all, I, I love that. That 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 was where Lee Cronin took this film because I think it's so important for this franchise to grow. I think a lot of people's complaints about 2013 was that it felt it felt uh, you know they felt like it wasn't bringing anything particularly new to the table. I, I, Mia's story that involved drug addiction and her going through withdrawal, which I thought was a pretty clever way of having the character freak out about what was going on in the cabin and in the woods surrounding it uh, and have that sort of, you know, plausible deniability of like, Oh, she's just, you know, she's just, she'll say anything to get out of here. So she can, you know, she, she can get, get you know, get higher and, and uh, escape the situation of, uh, of the intervention that her friends and her brother had um, put together to try and help her through this rough period of her life. So I, I think that was an, a really fresh take and it gives that n- new dimension to that 2013 film. I, I always I hesitate to say remake because again it's not really the same. It's no none of the same characters, just similar premise, same franchise. Uh and I think that this one does a really good job of shaking that up because had this been in the cabin, I think that would have been a problem. And that would have been sort of the beginning of the end of this franchise. As it is, I think that Evil Dead Rise does a lot to push this franchise into more shared universe territory, more uh, making it more of an ongoing uh, brand that they can expand out. Sort of how, you know, I think Ghostbusters uh, has been sort of at a quandary where, well, people really want these characters and people really need to see more of the, you know, the core four, which is to borrow a, a term from Scream, from the Scream franchise. We're just crossing all the Scream, all the, um, all the franchises here today. Uh, I think that everybody got so hung up on those characters and in that world as opposed to the world that 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 franchise creates. I think that's part of why the 2016 Ghostbusters was received the way it is uh, in addition to the misogyny as well. But I think a lot of it is that people just didn't couldn't accept an entry in a franchise without the character that they expected to be in the lead. And Evil Dead 2013 broke that mold and that it was the first Evil Dead story not to be Ash-centric. And if people love this franchise and they want more Evil Dead, at a certain point, Bruce Campbell's not going to be able to do this forever. In fact, he's saying he's retired from it now. He's still voicing the character in the, in the game. He's still open to doing an Ash vs. Evil Dead continuation in animated form, which I think is a great idea. Uh, particularly with the way that that series ends, it it kind of lends itself to uh, animation because the budget for a TV show or a movie would probably be higher than, than uh, you know, these, the typical evil dead project. This one, I I think now starts to strip away even more of what people think they want an evil dead movie to be. So uh, the first three movies, the first two movies really are Ash in a cabin dealing with deadites. And that, has an expiration date. You can't continue that forever. So I, I like that this movie starts to deconstruct the franchise a bit by taking it out of the cabin, uh, by taking it away further away from Ash and even Mia and bringing in this other element that I'll get to in, in a bit that complicates the world of Evil Dead a bit. So I, I want to, I want to first of all, shout out that I think Lee Cronin does a, a really great job. Writing and directing this film I think what's striking to me Particularly as uh, As a parent Is that in his previous film The Hole in the Ground from 2019 That movie is all about the relationship between a mother and son And this movie also Is about parenthood It's also about taking that That um, The allegorical element of the Evil Dead story I guess which is You know I guess not the allegorical but the personal element of it really is the first one is about a group of friends. And if anything, if there's a single relationship, it really focuses on it's Ash and Linda. It's about him and his, him having turned against his girlfriend. Evil did too. For the, for, to the point that evil did too, just strips away. Uh, he strips away the rest of the group. And it's not even, even his sister, Cheryl's not there. It's just him and Linda. By the time you get to evil did too, when they're remaking it it's like, ah, it's really just him and his girlfriend. The other people were just, you know, we needed to have bodies for the first movie. Um, it's focusing on the romantic relationship even though there was a sibling dynamic at play it's not really at the forefront 2013 then that turns towards the sibling dynamic where the main relationship the main tie is Mia and David and their bond and their you know feeling like they her feeling like he turned his back on on their family and all this other stuff here it's the sister dynamic really with with Beth and Ellie but i would say even more so what it's leaning on for you know Dramatically is Ellie and her kids. It's really about motherhood. It's really about parent-child, you know, uh, terror. It's it's about a parent going apeshit on their children, her children in this case. And so, I think that's part of why they what they these three different approaches to the franchise. What makes them so distinct and interesting is that there's just three parallel approaches to the same. Core concept There's a book Somebody's going to read it Or play a recording Either on, you know, vinyl Or whatever it may be You know, and Release this evil that's going to sort of Augment and Pervert these dynamics That are at play in the group And I think that's That is at In its essence Not the cabin Not Ash That's really what the evil That's the core of the Evil Dead franchise Is this evil spirit that's out there, this evil entity that turn that corrupt people and turn them against each other. In this case, parent child, like I said. So I think that that's a really interesting entry point, and it's clear if you go back and watch the hole in the ground, which I don't really think is streaming, which is a bummer because it's it's a pretty solid movie. Um, that that's it's clear that that was Lee Cronin's take on this material. That he was like, okay, well, it's going to be about a parent child. It's going to be about um, what happens when a mother turns against her own her own children and uh, and goes all dead-eyed on them to the point that there's a literal hole in the ground in this movie? And I, I guess that's kind of as good a place as any to sort of start digging into what this movie adds to the franchise. In addition to taking that dynamic and and turning it to parent child, what I find really interesting is that. It opens up the door for a lot, a lot more possibilities. I think with Evil Dead. So it, this movie establishes. There's, they're in the apartment complex. They're in the, the, you know, they're. We're learning about the the dynamics at play. Beth's hesitant and worried about possibly becoming a mother, about being pregnant. And Ellie is sort of struggling with her kids and all this stuff, and, and, and trying to find a way to keep her head above water. And there's an earthquake that happens. They, this hole in the, literal hole in the ground, again, where the characters find a, a book, of course, and recordings of the passages of the book being translated and read by a bunch of priests. So what I think is interesting is that if you listen to that scene, they establish there are three books. This is one of three volumes, this book that they have here, which opens up to the possibility that, and the likelihood that, one of those books was the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, which is what Ash had. One of those books was the one that Mia and David and company uh, found in their cabin, and then the third one is this—the one that the character Danny finds uh, in that. Uh, I guess it's like a bank vault. Yeah, it's a bank vault. So the apartment complex was built on like what used to be a bank, and there was a there's a vault underground that is where they find. Uh, the book and the recordings and all of that so there that that I think lends itself to crossovers for these characters it, it sort of pays off a what was meant to be just a, a you know kind of a one-off gag in Army of Darkness where there's the three books it lends to the fact that maybe those three books are all Sort of uh, demonic in nature and all circulating, finding themselves in different places, so that you can literally pick up with these three books any time period in different places and have them sort of wreaking havoc all over the place, opening up the deadites to the world. I think that honestly, the end of this movie could be tying could could just you could follow this film and the fact that the deadites are literally rising, as it says in the title, as you see when that epic title card for this movie where that character is literally levitating out, out of the water uh, that we don't know where that, where the evil goes from there. It can continue spreading. It can, it could lead to all kinds of crazy stuff that, that could be the moment where the deadites uh, sort of make it to the, the, the general population. And in in that case, we might need, you know, some heroes who have maybe been through this before and uh, maybe band together and find themselves on common ground. So is this all going to lead to Beth, Mia, hopefully Pablo and Kelly all kind of crossing paths, Avengers style and trying to take on the, the forces of the, the Candarian army. Uh, maybe, I don't know if they're going to go quite that big yet, but I think that they are definitely sowing the seeds of something in that nature. So, I am a hundred percent down for that. I think that that is something that could be really fun. I don't want them to go too big with it though, at least not for a while. Like I think that there is ways to, you know, post credit scene your way into having these characters all interact. Uh, And if they want to tie in whatever's going on with Ash in the continuation, if they do the animated thing, there's a Bruce Campbell cameo on the recording where you hear a character who's presumed to be another priest, everybody's like, Oh, Bruce Campbell voices is a priest, and this and like, do we know it's a priest? Do we know it's not Ash? I mean, Lee Cronin's even said maybe that's even Ash. He likes to time travel. So there they could always retcon that and have that be Ash showing up at this meeting with all the priests, be like, It's a it's a book, we need to get rid of it. It's you know, it's a reason, it's Book of the Dead, whatever, whatever he says, basically protesting them reading the passages and translating it. Um, there's a way to tie all that in together, but uh, and I'm hope I'm hoping to see more of that. It sounds like there is a a for lack of a, for lack of a a more germane term bible for the franchise being developed that they're hoping to do an Evil Dead film every 2 to 3 years going forward. Now whether they're going to start t- tying these threads together or they're going to just keep them separate or add more characters to this world, I I feel like now is the time to start crossing those streams to bring Ghostbusters back into it. And start having them these some of these returning characters, even if they're supporting players in some of these projects, have them sort of start uh, start establishing that they're in the same universe. You look at this as sort of a soft reboot for the franchise, uh, uh, you know, requal, if you want, whatever sure, whatever terminology you want to use. I think there's a lot of potential for for that to lead to all kinds of cool stuff going forward and I am a hundred percent here for it, but let's, I'm going way ahead of myself. I plan to do this in a different order, but again, this is very sort of stream of consciousness. I have some notes, but I'm mostly going off the cuff. Uh, I wanted to focus on evil did rise itself now and talk about the performances in this, because I do feel like Lily Sullivan as Beth. I, I, I've seen this some, some critique on her performance and maybe that character not being as compelling. And I think that's fair. I think she gets kind of a a simple arc in the, you know, that she learns to become, she essentially evolves into a mother role over the course of this film. It's very aliens in that, uh, you know, the, the small girl she's with her niece that she's protecting is very newt esque. So there's, there's definitely that element of it too. And Alyssa Sutherland, obviously deserving of all the praise she's been getting. It's it's so much, you know, she's got the more, the more fun role. She's, she gets to say crazy stuff. She gets to, you know, uh, all the, the, the sequence in the peephole with her trying to convince her daughter to open the, 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 um, to open the door. And she's like, Oh, nothing that a big hug and kiss from you can't fix and do it for mom and dad and the voice modulation. All the sound design in this thing is really impressive, which is not, not surprising, considering Evil Dead's kind of uh, kind of like likes to mess with us in that way, you know, the voice going back and forth from demonic to sort of sweet and trying to be uh, manipulative. It's sort of kind of part, kind of the Dead mo. So I love that they keep that alive here. It's also you know I've heard Beth sort of negatively compared to Mia, and I think that's not entirely fair because Mia has the complexity of being both hero and villain in that film, which I think. Is part of the twist of the 2013 I think in a lot of ways At least at the way the movie's structured I think we're supposed to think David is the Ash character When really Mia is her own Ash character Which is I think a much more A much more successful and satisfying Arc and viewing experience I think Jane Levy rules in that movie And similarly I do think Alyssa Sutherland is the, is the sort of breakout star of this In a lot of ways But I, I think, you know, don't sleep on Lily Sullivan I think she... A lot of fans, a lot of the Deadites in the Evil Dead fan community, have really latched on to Beth as a, uh, as an avatar, as a as a potential you know new final girl to sort of carry maybe even carry this franchise forward. If not, she does a solid job in this movie, so I I, I do love all of that. One thing I will point out that I did notice in this movie uh, is that the accent work here is a little a little dodgy at times. It's I had no, I know nothing about any of these performers when I went to see the movie, and it's pretty clear that most of them are Australian, and that definitely turned out to be the case afterwards when I did a little research on the actors. So there's that, but I, and I don't. It's nothing that takes away from the movie. It's just like oh, okay, the American accent eh, could use a little work, but I, I I don't think it it doesn't undermine the story at hand at all. Uh, it's just some, one of those little funny things that you notice when you watch films. Uh, let's see, a lot of people have said that this movie doesn't have the humor that they appreciate in Evil Dead and obviously, let's just go through the franchise real fast, The Evil Dead 1981's The Evil Dead, uh, straight up horror, campy humor that sort of happens just because limited resources and things like that not intended to be funny really Evil Dead 2 leaned into that And I think strikes that perfect balance of horror and comedy, probably one of the best horror comedies ever made, and infinitely rewatchable because of that. And then Army of Darkness is not even horror at all. Basically, it's just like a historical, like uh, not even historical, but like a medieval adventure comedy. It's not. There's nothing. There's literally nothing scary about that, and it's a hair away from PG thirteen, really. And then Evil Dead twenty thirteen. Dark as hell, very violent, very sparse on the any kind of dark humor. And I actually feel like Evil Dead Rise, while it is much closer in tone to Evil Dead 2013, as far as the, the gore is concerned, it doesn't go nearly as hard as the 2013 film. In fact, I feel like the whole cheese grater thing that everyone is, is latching onto because of the marketing, literally the hashtag Evil Dead Rise image was a cheese grater. Uh, I feel like that was way overblown because what is actually in the movie is very mild uh, for what they could have done with the cheese grater as a weapon in the hands of a dead. Uh, I do feel like it has more. It's, it's, it's a weird, feels weird weirdly to say, but it, it's a funnier movie than Evil Dead 2013. I think there is humor here. I think the humor c- comes from how fucked up this whole thing is with the mother, like, seething and like roaring at her children and saying things like you know i'm free from all you titty-sucking parasites i think is the line and and saying like some horrific stuff to uh to her kids i think the humor comes from that kind of stuff the humor comes from you know how these characters how how the ellie character specifically tries to manipulate the situation in turn Turn uh, you know play with the minds of of her family members, and, and some of it's just the shock value. Some of it's just funny because it's shocking, because it, it comes out of nowhere and and happens in such a surprising way that you're just like oh my gosh you know I can't believe that just happened. It's kind of that sort of that sort of element to it. A little bit of the way of um, feels kind of like Drag Me to Hell in that way. The Sam Raimi film from two thousand seven. I believe, or no, 2000, 2009, I think. Anyway, the one he did after Spider-Man 3. So 2009, I'm going to say. Uh, it's definitely in that vein. I think there's a lot more dark humor here that maybe people will pick up more on on uh, subsequent viewings. I think just going into it, perhaps not as big a fan of the 2013 film. People like that, obviously, I, I'm not one of those because I love the, the 2013 movie. I think, you know, it wasn't... It, they were hoping for something more like Ash vs. Evil Dead, and it's definitely not it's definitely not that this is a this is a, definitely a more serious if you can call evil dead that dark less playful version of the franchise and i'm okay with that i feel like if you want the bruce campbell led sort of slapstick horror you have evil dead 2 you have army of darkness you have three seasons of a oh great show on stars that is 30 episode 30, 30 half hour episodes of Ash and doing crazy stuff. So let's 15 hours worth of that. We've got plenty of that approach. I'm fine with them staying a little closer to the 2013 uh, film with this and, and going forward, maybe trying to tweak that balance a little bit more in, in, uh, on the comedy side. I think they could definitely amp that up a, a, a notch or two. But um, I like it staying this this dark and, and such. If anything, I wish this movie would have gone slightly darker, uh, with the with the gore. If we were gonna do, do that, uh, notably though, there are some callbacks in this, and a lot of people feel like it's a little bit overdone. And there are a couple instances where I can see that, but I also feel like a lot of it just comes from, a lot of it just comes from the dead idea it's just being, it's a, it's the same evil entity that's summoned by these books, presumably, right? So the, it's going to have a sort of hive mind mentality. Literally, there's a scene in this movie where Ellie and the other characters that she's attacked who, turn all, who also turn into deadites are all shouting in unison, dead by dawn, dead by dawn, which is obviously an evil, 2 ref, evil Dead 2 reference. But if it's the same entity that chanted that in Evil Dead 2, it stands to reason that, hey, we're not going to, Why, you know, you can't expect a tiger to change its stripes kind of thing. It's like, this is who this, this, this is who we are. This is who the deadite entity is. So they're, of course, they're going to be like, I'm going to swallow your souls. And, and they're going to say dead by dawn and things like that. So the things that I thought were a little, a little much was the eyeball gag. There's a moment in this where Ellie (laughs) bites out somebody's eyes and spits it at someone who then swallows it. And like kind of jokes on it, I think. Uh, that's another Evil Dead 2 reference. There's a lot. You could tell Lee Cronin has lots of, of admiration for Evil Dead 2. As, you know, join the club, Lee Cronin. Uh, we all do. But there's a couple moments where I didn't need to take that quite as directly. Uh, there's obviously a boomstick in this. There's obviously it. There's, of course, a chainsaw. I think that this this movie wants to tread some new ground by switching up the characters from the previous films, like the 2013 one, not leaving ash behind, and, and then also going the extra step of leaving the cabin behind. But I think it was also a little, a little gun shy of, in doing that, and scared it's going to alienate fans a bit. So they're like, okay, we got to have swallow your soul, we got to have Dead by Dawn, we got to have the boomstick, we got to have the chainsaw, we got to have, uh, you know, some other references there. We have uh, Beth literally says, "Come get some" at the end of the day, which I thought was uh, on the on the scale of. Callbacks, I thought was one of the better ones. Like obviously there, nobody's doing anything quite so on the nose. They're just putting a chainsaw on their hand and saying groovy. But it's also like, it's also having the chainsaw and the boomstick, the sawed off shotgun, having a shotgun and a chainsaw wielded by the same character. It's now it's starting to feel like they have to s- s- peel away some of those because now it's, it's going to keep, it's going to start feeling like this franchise is stuck in the past and can't move forward without being like, "Hey, remember Ash? This person's got a chainsaw too." I, I, we thankfully, I'm just glad that Beth's hand didn't come off in this movie because they did that with Mia in 2013, where her hand is is under a car and so she just straight up like pulls away from it and like leaves her hand behind, and so she literally uses the stump to push the chainsaw into Abomination Mia's mouth and the. Through about the the abomination's body in at the end of that film, we don't go that far. So I think it's, we're taking baby steps away from it, and I think that's that's all good. But it needs to continue to grow and uh, distance itself from Ash, respectfully. Obviously, if if we have anything from the Ash thread continuing, I think it needs to be Pablo and Kelly, and we're gonna keep his uh, the Ash story alive. Spoilers for Ash vs Evil Dead. It ends with him sort of in a a post-apocalyptic future, not unlike the original ending of Army of Darkness. And I think we need to let Ash be much further down the timeline, dealing with that in animated form, voiced by Bruce Campbell, of course, and then have Pablo and Kelly be sort of the representation of the Ash uh, series of films going forward. So if we have anything going on with Mia and Beth... Like if those two meet, I think Pablo and Kelly should definitely be a part of it because I loved those actors, I loved those characters, and I thought that you know they're they're respected and loved enough by the fans that I think they they need to be part of that uh, part of that continuing plan going forward. And I saw today on social media that uh, Dana De Lorenzo, who played Kelly, is hanging out with Lee Cronin or meeting up with him at least. So maybe they're discussing now that the box office receipts are in for Evil Dead Rise and it's doing very well. I think it made I saw eighty million. Worldwide, over after like two weekends, I think. So that's good for this movie. So hopefully, everything will go ahead as planned, and we'll get to see some crossover action happening. Uh, there was also obvious, uh, you know, the most obvious callback here being to The Shining, and with the elevator full of blood. And there's a couple other ones here and there that um, that are just Lee Cronin's kind of tip of the hat to some of his favorite horror films. So I don't have issue with that. I just think it's it's. It's, uh, you know, it's necessary to bring up because it's so obvious. It's like, I guess homage, but that's kind of stretching the the term homage to uh, hilarious new heights. But it's clear that that's where most of the 1700 gallons of blood they used for this movie uh, happened, literally filling the elevator with that. uh, and you know, having that go go you know, go crazy in the third act with the uh, with the Ellie character, I already mentioned the fisheye lens and the the shots through the peephole. There were some creative kills. Uh, there's a tattoo uh, needle that's going on in this. There's 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 some really interesting uh, visual things that happen here that I really like. The creature effects towards the end really surprised me. We get sort of a I don't know the Ellie and the different other Deadites sort of. Combine into one giant like monster hulking deadite monster thing. Uh, it feels to me that that was probably some CG cause it was so in shadow that you couldn't really see it clearly probably cause it maybe it wasn't, they couldn't get it quite where they wanted it to be. I'm not for sure if that's CG, but I would, my speculation would be that was CG and it wasn't, you know, up to snuff with the way the rest of the film looked. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'm really hopeful that this is a positive step for this franchise I think it keeps the momentum really going for this for this series. We're five movies in and a TV show, all of which are excellent. I, I enjoy all of these to varying degrees. Evil Dead Two is still the top for me, probably followed by 2013, maybe then Army of Darkness, and then this. But like these are all four out of five stars and higher uh, for me. So it, it's it's insane to me that any movie franchise, particularly in the horror space. Is five movies in and it's five strong movies straight in a row. Uh, so I hope that they they keep that momentum going. I think there's something really, really, you know, uh, this, this box office gross for this movie proved that there is, the audience is hungry for more. We're open to seeing new things. We don't need necessarily Ash involved in every single Evil Dead project. Uh, they kept it to a nice tight 90 minutes as it should be for an, An evil dead story. Uh, You know, between this and Renfield, we're seeing a lot more of that kind of genre storytelling in the horror space with like 90, 95 minute run times. I think keep, keep that going, keep pushing beyond the cabin, pushing the boundaries of where this franchise can go. I think it's such a, a, like, you know, the studio is just thanking their lucky stars that they didn't just drop this on HBO max as was the original plan. I'm so glad we were I was able, we were able to see it in theaters. And I really love what they did here. So I I I think going forward they have so many options um for this franchise. Do I wanna see more Beth? Yes. Do I wanna see Mia again? Yes. Do I wanna see Pablo and Kelly? Yes. Do I wanna see you know, I saw a, a Twitter prompt where people were like, "Oh, you know, there's these multiple ideas for what an Evil Dead sequel this could be. It could be more Beth. Could be the story with those priests. Could be uh, the follow-up of like what happened in the apartment complex when the people come to clean it, to do with that bloody mess that uh, that Ellie turned into after going in that like grinder." Um, yes, all of that. Let's do that. Let's get an Evil Dead musical movie going. I can't imagine that would be that expensive. Uh, get that together and put it on HBO Max. That that would go straight to streaming would be fine. Give me the animated uh, Ash versus Evil Dead continuation season four or whatever you want to call it. Let's let's the the possibilities for this franchise are endless, and I I think that they have pretty much their their run of what they want to do, and I think now is the time to push you know la- push the launch button on all of these things at, at the same time. I, I um. I also put out on Twitter that I was going to be talking about Evil Dead Rise on the podcast and asked for some feedback from past and future guests. Matt Donato wrote for IGN uh, his review, which I'll link to in the show notes for this episode. He said, uh, it's fucking rules with multiple uh, U's on the the rules. Totally agree. Uh, David Rosen from Piecing It Together Pod, who also did an episode, uh, a live episode on Evil Dead Rise. I'll have to link to that in the... Podcast uh, show notes for this episode as well. He did a whole long post on uh, Letterbox about this, and he had lots to say about this about this franchise. I think I even let me see. He was a little bit more torn on this franchise uh, or in this film than uh, than I am, obviously. But he even he did say he tweeted out that Alyssa Sutherland steals the entire movie so much it's like Freddy Krueger territory. So I uh, can't argue with that and. Ryan Luis Rodriguez of One Track Mind gave it three stars on Letterboxd. He said probably the least of these movies, but I have to respect how hard it goes in such a narrow time frame. Totally agree there. Richard Newby, who was on this show to talk about The Dark Knight Rises, he said uh, it rips and tears and slashes and grinds and burns and stabs and grates. Now, now I will say I've seen enough gore in my horror lifetime that I don't flinch easily, but I did leave this one feeling a wee bit nauseous. It is brutal. Loved it. Uh, So good. Good take there as well. Uh, Sarah M. Fetters responded to my tweet saying, it's great, maybe better than great. I had a blast and wrote a review for her website, Movie Freak. And I will link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, and Jeff Johnson and the guys over at Sons and Shadowcast says, uh, basically we throw you to Jeff's video. He did a video review, non-spoilers, which I will link to in the show notes. Uh, saying it's good, but it'll certainly be divisive amongst Evil Dead fans. It's a departure while maintaining the more horror aspects of the franchise. It's gory, easily could have been named something other than Evil Dead and stood on its own. I do agree with that. It could have stood on its own, but I think that's part of what we're at, like a, why we're such a critical juncture for this franchise. Like it needs to learn to not play to play the hits of of what people expect Evil Dead to be. And stretch its stretch its wings. I'm trying to think of a more Evil Dead appropriate uh, metaphor there, but it needs to you know it needs to rise above that all and float above a bunch of water while a badass title card is, is happening behind you. Uh, and, and I think this is this is the film that's going to forge a new path forward. Now, whether Lee Cronin becomes the new Evil Dead guy and continues doing these movies, uh, who knows? I I think this movie makes a a decent case for why he could do that. Uh, I don't know that I would love to see him or any filmmaker really locked into this franchise. I think it's fun to have different like up and coming filmmakers come in and do their do a version of the evil dead and you know maybe following a, a, an overall trajectory for what they want this franchise to be or what the rules of this franchise are if they want to go that route I I think that the franchise has done pretty well for itself just sort of playing it by year movie to movie which we got into on our episodes where the uh, the rules kind of change a little bit as it goes along it's just that they're playing fast and loose with the deadite mythology as it were uh, so I think there's a really bright future ahead for Evil Dead as a franchise as a brand. I think we're gonna see lots more of these going forward, and this being the really the first since we since I started franchise detours, really the first new installment of a franchise that we have covered uh, on this feed. I, I guess we'll have to keep this going. We'll have to do this again. I'll do another one of these, either just me or me and and a guest talking about Evil Dead Six, whatever that ends up being. But for now, I hope this was enjoyable to hear my thoughts on Evil Dead Rise. Sorry, it took so long to go up. Uh, Life happens, and uh, thankfully, this film is very much still in the conversation. Now, I want to know what are your thoughts on Evil Dead Rise? Is this a strong start to the continuing future of this franchise? Is this a continuation and the downward spiral following the 2013 film. Are you happy with the changes that they're making to sort of switch up the formula or are you just, just want more Ash and Bruce Campbell, which is, you know, we all want that. So same. Um, uh, let me know. You can find me on Twitter at crooked table, same handle on Instagram and via email at Robert at crooked We'll be back next episode with your regularly scheduled Planet of the apes uh, discussion on Planet of the Apes 2001 from director Tim Burton. So stay tuned for that next episode. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. Catch you in the next stop, everyone. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. See, you are